Welcome to It's a Fit Life Creation podcast with me, Katrina Julia. I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur and a transformation coach. Jumpstart transformation to time to transform, to boss brand, to money maker, to inspiring with influence and more. So let's create. And I lost over 55 pounds four years ago with the help of Herbalife Nutrition, Meal Bags, Team Edge, NASA, a certified public accountant. I've served in over eight industries, generating others over seven to nine figure results consistently while having my own money in chaos to create a life and a business I love. It's about the passion, the purpose, the people, and the profits to create a life and a business you love. Tune in to the stories and the journey as we create It's a Fit Life Creation. Welcome to It's a Fit Life Creation podcast. I am super excited to be here with Eileen Ryan. We are here today talking about freeing yourself to be a multi-passionate boss babe. Eileen is the epitome of that. She lives in New York. She has a Canadian background. She is a professional dancer who started a dance company. She's a classical violinist. She's a corporate attorney who works with firms on Wall Street. She is a traveler who's traveled to over 67 countries and counting. She is building a social media brand. She's got over 100,000 followers on Instagram. And her blog, Light Travels Faster, she's done so many different collaborations across adventure travel, adventure experiences, luxury fashion, and so much more. Welcome, Eileen. Well, thank you so much for that fantastic introduction. You really flatter me. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I love connecting with other boss babes and sharing our knowledge and seeing where we can go. And it's a lot of fun. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And I loved, loved, loved our conversation last time. Just super high vibes all around and so super excited and grateful to connect again and also learn from you. So tell us, how did your foundation and your family set you up in life? Well, my family, they are the same as me. They do everything under the sun. So my father, who unfortunately passed away when I was 15, but him as an example, he was a world-class violist. Um, So he initially, you know, grew up in Canada 
went and studied in the States at the University of Indiana um, and the Royal Conservatory in San Francisco, which are both phenomenal music schools. Then he took his viola, went off to Europe and auditioned for random symphonies. And that was at a time when you just didn't do that. I mean, there was no internet. Calling home was prohibitively expensive. So, you know, you really were on your own. And he went and he ended up getting into various symphonies in Germany and eventually got into the London Symphony. At the same time, he, this is a man who built our first house with his bare hands, with his brothers, like hammered in the nails, could fix a car. He was a painter. He was a family man. He was a phenomenal tennis player, a good golfer. So he really did absolutely everything under the sun. And my mom is very similar. Uh, So, you know, they really started me from the very beginning at age four of really being multi-talented and multifaceted and really nurturing all the parts of me. So at age four, I started the violin studying under my dad's tutelage. And I also started dance. Um, You know, my whole life dancing 14 hours a week in everything from tap jazz, ballet, lyrical, modern, and hip-hop. But at the same time, they also had me in gymnastics. I took archery lessons. I took tennis. I took golf. I I mean, you name it, it's something that I did. Um, So, you know, that really... And I was a child who wanted that. Like it was at the point where I would say, Mom, Mommy, I want to do X. And she'd say, Honey, I don't think you have any more time. I just don't think you can. So, you know, that really set me up. I guess, you know, they put me on the path that I wanted to be and they really nurtured it to make sure that, you know, I had those opportunities. I was not a child that got tons and tons of toys. I got lessons. I got experiences. And we were fortunate in the sense that we spent a lot of quality time as a family. So my mom was a teacher, so she had the summers off, um, you know, and she was a biologist. So she brought the scientific stuff to the family while my dad being the artist, the symphony always took a break in the summer. So we spent the summer as a family. My grandparents had a cabin in northern Alberta, so we would go water skiing and fishing and sit around the campfire together. My other family, my dad's side, lived in Vancouver. So we would road trip out there and go swimming in the ocean. Just really good quality time, enjoying each other, not sitting in front of the TV, you know, heading to the beach, doing active things like that. Wow. So many things. Thank you for digging deep for, you know, both your dad's side as well as on your mom's side. Love the aspects that you talked about, like the massive leaps of faith that your father took. That, you know, he didn't have excuses on, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like he just went and made it happen. So I could. Yeah. And he didn't know anyone there. Like he didn't have relatives there. He didn't speak German. Like he just was like, you know, complete faith in himself. He trusted his abilities and he was like, you know, I can do this. And he did. I mean, the London Symphony is the best symphony in the world. So you can't go higher than that. No, but like you said, he had a vision, he had a dream and he made it happen. So he took the faith and the focus and married them together and was like, no, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do like, like this is happening. There's no doubt. There's no question. It's happening. Then the aspects of, like you said, that he also like, you know, helped build the actual house. So the practical aspects and not limiting himself to like one area, right? Mm -hmm. Then you talked about the time with the family. So having that relationship, that cultivation, Then your mom as a teacher, so having like totally different passions and interests, but still mutually respecting one another in that space and then translating that to you and, you know, allowing you to have the full breadth and width of experiences and time and family. And did you have sisters and brothers? 
Yeah, I have a younger brother, um, and he is kind of a carbon copy of me. Also, he is a professional. He's a petroleum engineer. He's also a violinist, a volleyball player, a handball player, a world traveler, extremely intelligent, very kind and sweet. It's very, very similar. Um, and, you know, just touching on some of the things you mentioned about my mom, like she, you know, being a teacher, she really instilled this thirst for knowledge in me. So, you know, growing up, we would go on nature walks in the rain and she would point out the earthworms and say, oh, look, and teach us about the earthworms and their role in the, in the environment, in the, in the ecology. And she, even though, you know, my dad lived in Europe, it was my mom who really instilled the thirst for travel in me. So she also was quite an adventurer. Um, instead of going straight to college, she took a gap year. But that was at a time when people didn't take gap years. I mean, we are all so privileged that we can do that these days. But back then, that wasn't the case. And so she was really a trailblazer. She spent the year working several waitressing jobs, saved up her money, and she went backpacking in Europe for six months on one of the very first Contiki trips. Contiki is a massive company today. It comes from Australia, and they take young people. I think the range is maybe... 18 to 35 and they do a trip around Europe. So she was on one of these inaugural trips. There was just, I think maybe 10 of them driving around Europe in a van. And, you know, that was again at a time when people just didn't do that. So, you know, she also really instilled that thirst for travel. And today she comes on a lot of my trips with me. Like a couple of years ago, I was in Europe and I was doing a last minute trip over to Thailand to meet a friend who was working at a consulate there. And I said, mom, you know what, you want to come? Two days later, she was on a plane and off she was coming to meet me in Thailand. So, you know, last year she spent two months road tripping around France with me. We also went to Vietnam and Taiwan. And, you know, she's just chomping at the bit for another trip saying, you know, when are we going to go somewhere this year? Where are we going? And I said, you know, I haven't planned it for us yet, but don't worry. You, you can come wherever I go. I absolutely love that on so many levels and I relate to that so much and we didn't even talk I think we might I don't think we talked about this part in our last conversation because it's like your mom definitely did things on her own terms and like the love of travel that she instilled with you I definitely resonate with that because that was my mom like we would Mm -hmm. go my mom would go with me and my brother and travel all around Europe and my dad couldn't take as long vacations that she had. So she would go with us by herself. So when people yep. say like, oh, I can't do that. I have kids. I'm like, uh-uh, my mom did it. Like, why can't you? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a mindset. It's a belief. And I, Exactly. And I love that you talked about how like you guys do mommy and me trips because we mm-hmm. so do that. Like we, your trip to... Thailand, which I've been promising my mom, Thailand and China. And I told her like, it's coming no later than 2020, like hold tight. And it's funny that you said that because I had a trip. I was going to India in 2010. A good friend of mine was getting married. I was like, first of all, Taj Mahal has been on my list. And I know you've been, and I saw like some of your Mm -hmm. adventure tracks and so many different things. And so I can see how that correlates and connects to your mom as well. And I told my mom, I'm like, one of my good friends from accounting, this was like when I was taking the classes for the CPA, she Mm -hmm. invited me to her wedding in India. So when am I going to have a chance to not only go see incredible India, Taj Mahal, all these amazing places and all these extremes from poverty to wealth. And, and go to a two, three, four day Indian wedding. And I was like, mom, I have the points. I have this, I have that. I can support you and help you come with me. So either a, you're coming 
or B, I'm going by myself. And she yep. really wanted to go, but part of it was also like, what is it going to be like? Did it? I'm like, listen, we're going to get a driver. I was like, I'm not driving to India. Hell no. No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> you can't do that. No, like, but you're coming- You take your life in your hands doing that. No, so I so, exactly. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. Like, it is so grateful we had our driver and such an amazing experience. But we've done the local things. Like, she comes to Atlanta and visits and we'll go all over. So I love, love, love that, like, you and your mom are so close and that you're also like including family and that relationship and that foundation and that growth, like that's continued on, like, you know, throughout your family. And that's awesome and amazing on your brother as well. And I think that, yeah, he's actually done a lot of trips with me as well. When I had just graduated law school, we were, I guess he was in college at the time and I just finished law school and yeah, we went back packing for two months together in South America. So we traveled all around Brazil, and then we finished in Peru. And I actually had to come home to start a job, and he continued on and did the Inca Trail. I went back two years later with my boyfriend and my mom, and we did the Inca Trail. That's amazing. And you remind me also, like, my brother, he actually works for the UN in Austria. And when he was going – That's amazing. Yes, and and my sister-in-law. Like, they both worked there now. Like, that's what they wanted. That was their dream. And step by step, they made it happen. And my niece plays violin. So, and she's now learning piano. So like when you were talking, I was picturing some of her videos or when I watched her, but my brother, when he was going overseas, he reminded me um, to go to the Webster University in Vienna. I was like, well, I want to go with you. I want to support you. And I want to visit Vienna for the first time. So of course I'm going to go. And we took a train to uh, Venice and like so many different things. Yeah. So it's amazing to have that mindset and that family and that relationship that continues. Exactly. And, I, and I'm so fortunate because between my mom, my brother, and my boyfriend and my best friend, all four of them love to travel and they thrive on it. And so whether I'm going on vacation or for work or a press trip, one of them always wants to come and, you know, it's a win-win. I think it would be really difficult, you know, um, if the people in my life didn't love traveling as much as me. I know a lot of young people, sometimes their families, their parents, they're not as into it. They're more homebodies. And that can be tough because, you know, you love it so much, but you can't really include your parents in it. So I'm so lucky in that respect. No, absolutely. Or they don't even get the mindset. Like they're like, well, I'm happy sitting at home, which is great to have contentment, but to also have that I want to travel the world. And so I love that. I love that integration. Now talk about also, because I can imagine there, you know, we talked some about this last time, but like the highs, the lows and the resilience and like, and breathing from you, I definitely feel massively the resilience and how it was like, maybe like, for example, losing your father or other things you've overcome or that your family's overcome in this journey and the mindset that you've chosen to adapt in your life, in your business, et cetera. Yeah, well, um, certainly, I mean, as we spoke about before, there are definitely the most difficult time in my life was when I was 15. My father, who I was extremely close with, as I've discussed, we were a very close family, and I was definitely daddy's little girl. So he passed away when I was 15, and it was very sudden. Um, We only found out about a month beforehand, and then, you know, he passed. And then two weeks later, my mom's younger brother drowned in a freak accident at our lake. And two years later, my grandpa passed away. So we really lost, you know, all of the patriarchs, all of the men in our family in a really short period of time. And we were a very, very close family. So it was absolutely devastating, particularly on my mom, who was, you know, just trying to hold it together. My brother was only seven years old at the time. And I really 
pretty much had to raise myself from then on. You know, I immediately took on a lot of side jobs. I was a bus bus girl, bus boy at a restaurant. Um, you know, and then I taught dance and I taught violin because I just didn't want to put any additional burden on my family. Um, I drove myself to all my activities because at the time in Alberta, where I'm from in Canada, you could get a driver's license at 16. So I quickly got a license. I took myself everywhere and, you know, it was certainly a difficult time. Um, you know, but it definitely, as you mentioned, it definitely promoted my resiliency, which would carry me through other times, um, you know, going to law school. So I went to the top law school in Canada. It was extremely difficult to get in. Um, you know, you needed a, a, the median 3.6 average GPA just to get in. The LSAT was a 95th percentile in the median. So really, really high scores to get in. But I graduated during the recession. So, you know, we, we entered law school in 2008. Times were great. 2009, that's when law students get their jobs. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the way the law law system works is it feeds you directly into the system. So when you are a second year law student, law firms will come to the school. They hire you to work as a summer student. Then as soon as you graduate, you'll write the bar exam and you're going to be fed directly into those law firms. So you don't have a choice. You can't do it out of the system unless you don't want to do a law firm route at all. You know, maybe you want to do government or something, but for those of us who want that law firm training, this is how you do it. So as a second year student, 2009, the entire economy had collapsed, so it was very difficult. At the time, I wanted to come down to New York right away, and that's one of the reasons I went to the school I went to in Canada, which is the University of Toronto. It was a major feeder school down to the U.S., but of course, with the recession, that wasn't happening anymore. So I was grateful to get a job at the top law firm in Canada, Blake's Castles and Graydon. You know, stayed there for a couple of years and I just watched the economy down here. And when things got better, I said to my boyfriend at the time, you know, let's go down, let's figure it out. So he actually was flown down for one interview, nailed it right on the spot, got hired, was able to come right away. And I pounded the pavement. So what I did is I contacted anyone and everyone who I could find in the law industry in New York that had a Canadian connection. And I sent these emails saying, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so. Here's my background. I've just moved here. I'm looking for a position. I'm wondering if you have 10 minutes to chat with me by coffee, or, you know, over coffee or by phone, um, you know, just so I can pick your brain about the industry. And, you know, by the way, I noticed that you also went to the University of Toronto or I noticed it says you're from Alberta. Whatever thing I could find is a hook. I probably met with almost 200 people emailed many more. Um, I think when I looked at my success rate, I think 30% of the people responded. Um, So I met with these people. And that's eventually how I got my job. After meeting people, person after person after person, finally, I met someone who said, you know what, actually, I think that there's a position in my firm. Um, Pass me your resume. You know, you seem like you'd be a great candidate. And that's how I got in. And, you know, the firm that I got into is the one I mentioned, you know, where I did the Disney and Lucasfilm deals. And it's the most prestigious law firm in the world. But I definitely did my time to get in, you know, meeting with 200 people um, who you don't know. You have 10 minutes of your time to basically do your very best elevator pitch to build a personal connection, to make them like you, but also to sell yourself professionally. And the rest is history. I love that. Wow. So many things. And I love how you took us on that journey. So it also made, it made me think about something that I'll share, but first I the loss. Like I love how you saw from a very young age at 15 with what happened with your dad. Then you saw the impact and the ripple effect to your mom, to your brother and decided to, at that age already take 
you know, a level of responsibility that a lot of adults can't take today, right? Or, you know, sometimes we facilitate back and forth depending on what's happening, you know, with our, ourselves psychologically between positive and negative or victimhood and, you know, and victorhood, right? Well, you made a decision very quick and in an instant. And I can definitely resonate with that, like my early like teens, because when you see certain things happening financially or with a family and you realize like I can be part of the added component or I can be part of the solution. So like you obviously rose up at a very young age, then like how you connected it and that and talked about that and like the overcoming and then also losing like the patriarchs in your family, losing the masculine, losing the masculine influence other than your brother, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, at that point, which he was seven years old at the time. And then going into from there, going into the law school and being determined, you know, to say, okay. This is the school I want to go to. I know it's competitive. I know it's tough, but like, I'm going to do what I need to do from a GPA standpoint, from a focus standpoint. So, so I love several things because obviously, you know, you definitely, and we've talked about this, the multi-passionate aspect, but then I love what's being highlighted now. Cause I also definitely relate. And I think a lot of people will that you have this multi-passionate aspect, but then you also have the ability to drill down and focus to get the results and not many people can operate in both spheres. Like they are like, wait a minute. It's, it can be like a lot, but you know, when you're bouncing back and forth between like the vision and the tactical, right. And the, you made that happen. Then what was happening economically. And so you realized, okay, well, wait a minute. Here's what's happening. I believe in myself. I believe in different aspects, right? Then I believe in, Um, that this is what's happening economically, I can either sit here and wait for something to like come to me, like what I see other people doing, or I can think about what's a way that I can strategically create relationships, create community, connect with people and be open and don't know where something's going to lead me, but have faith because you had seen that modeled with your dad. You had seen that modeled in the past. You had seen what previous experience you had and making things happen, you know, in, you know, in flow. And then, so you knew, well, this is what it's going to take. If it's up to me, it's up to me. And then going down that route, leading you to the most prestigious law firm and being there. And then with time, energy, effort, one thing to another, you know, putting in that effort and that work at the same time. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, they always say that, you know, the, the key to a resilient person, first of all, resiliency is a key factor in success. And second of all, the key to a resilient person is that they say, you know, when something doesn't go well, they don't say, oh, what did I do wrong? You know, how did I fail, et cetera, et cetera. They instead say, what can I learn from this? What can I improve next time? And that's something that I definitely do naturally. And it's sort of a matter of always pivoting. I, I see so many people just you know, hitting their head against the same wall over and over and over again. And they're wondering why they're not making any progress, but they haven't pivoted at all. It's for me, it's, it's a very natural thing. And I, and I'm very lucky in that respect that it's a matter of I'm going along one path and I hit a wall. Okay. I pivot and I go around it. I find a way to go around. And the law example was a good example because, you know, most people, they wanted to go to New York right when they graduated. And had I went to law school even one year earlier, I would have been able to do that. But instead, okay, I'll, I'll go around. I'll spend three years in Canada, still getting great experience and enjoying my life. And, you know, then I'll come down to New York and I'll go around that way. No, I love that. And I love like, you, so you had a very strong and firm foundation 
and like not, you know, not like, for example, our, we were, my parents were married, but there wasn't that level necessarily of communication or a firm foundation or always doing things together. Right. So, and I know many people grow up in single parent homes and they don't have that firm foundation. And so to your point, there was levels of growth, assurance, stability, determination to a certain point. And then sometimes when we experience trauma, and I definitely walk through that with like an abusive relationship in my early 20s, it does different things to your brain. And over the last seven years, especially once I left corporate America fully, the levels of resilience and the levels of faith that I got to rise up to and be pushed to because of the visions, because of the dream, because of creating community, forced me to overcome those things. You know, to overcome those past stories, that past trauma, that past, those past beliefs fully to say, wait a minute, I created this story based on this or this or this experience. It's not serving, it served me to hear, but it's not serving me anymore. So I have a choice to look at all the past evidence of resilience and overcoming. And this goes to anyone listening to either stay stuck here or exactly to your point. I loved how you framed it on pivoting. Because when I looked back, I did a post on this recently and I called it the transformation story of a lifetime. Because when I look back over the last seven years, I'm like, oh my God, like so many things were great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like everyone has positives, right? We're great up to this point. But once you accelerate the vision to a higher and higher and higher level, it requires a different you, a different me and different, you know, habits, different stories, different belief systems, everything, different resilience. And I said, wait a minute, this isn't serving anymore. So exactly what you said, how can I pivot? Like I pivoted, it was easier here in health. It was easier here in business, but oh, wait a minute. Now I'm facing kind of the deepest fears in creating what I love and the community and the vision. But wait a minute, I have all this evidence over here. So let me just keep pivoting, 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 tweaking, 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 every day getting better, every day getting more efficient, the same way I've gotten these results here or with this company or these brands or whatever the case is, and I'm sure you've periodically done that, whether you know it or not, then as long as I keep going and keep pivoting and keep going on the windy road or jumping here or jumping there, my dream is going to come to pass because the dream is there for a reason. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think it's also a matter of you know, it's interesting because, you know, I've been listening to much more and more motivational podcasts and, and speeches lately. And so many of the things that they recommend, recommend, I do naturally. And I didn't realize that I was doing those things and that they were a key factor in my success. But as people have been asking me more and more to speak about how I've become successful, I'm really trying to break it down and think about things. And on that same note of what you were just speaking about, you know, it's also viewing um, resiliency means being able to view failure not as failure. It's, it's, it's a way to learn, but more importantly, not internalizing it. So I think a lot of people, when they fail, the reason why they get so, so down about it is that they think that it means, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm, you know, I failed and I'm, I'm a bad X. I'm a bad Y. You know, whereas a resilient person just thinks, oh, well, that act didn't work. Like, and that's exactly the way I think. When something doesn't work, I'm not like, oh, I'm a terrible speaker. I'm a terrible lawyer. I just think, oh, well, that act didn't work. Okay, I'll pivot. I'll try something different next time. 
And, and like I said, I'm fortunate then that that's a natural mentality for me. But if you are one of those people who has a tendency to think, oh, I'm a terrible X, I'm a terrible Y, really, really try to change that mentality and think instead, no, I'm an amazing person. I just made a mistake. I didn't know. I couldn't have known. Hindsight is twenty twenty. That particular act didn't work. And next time I'll try a different act. And that helps you be resilient and helps you keep pivoting. And, you know, that's one of the things about an entrepreneur is you really, really need to be somebody who doesn't internalize those failures and make and, and think of them as a reflection of who they are as a human. A, a, a successful entrepreneur thinks about those acts and just learns from them. You know, that particular act, that particular business style isn't working, but I'm still an awesome entrepreneur and I'm still going to be a success. No, I love how you frame that. And two things I want to highlight from that for everyone. One, you acknowledged the value that you didn't realize that you were doing those things naturally until people started asking you. And often it's very hard for us until we start to reflect and realize and recognize our own value and position ourselves from a powerful standpoint, from a valuable standpoint, especially as women entrepreneurs, Because, and I was just having this, we had this conversation and I was having this conversation with someone recently, you know, there's, there's, there's more on the horizon. Like now there's the Marie Forleo's now there's, you know, Oprah, now there's Rachel Hollis, but compared to men in the entrepreneurial space, it's still way less. So it's like recognizing the value. And then two, I love how you said the failure aspect, because coming from like, uh, coming from you know, a family that was from Poland and Bulgaria, and then also coming from, you know, and a lot of us grow up in not the most edifying environments where there's a lot of focus on perfectionism, or there's a lot of focus on this is how I want you to be, or, you know, oh, you messed up at this versus exactly how you acknowledged it and reframed it. It's like, no, failure is maybe you just need more practice or pivot or learn a new skill or keep practicing to get better, it's no different than a baby learning to walk. You know, you cheer a baby on learning to walk, you don't beat up the baby and say, why aren't you walking after your first try? Mm -hmm. So I love how you frame that. And speaking of which, how, so taking that a bit further, how has positivity played a role in your daily, weekly, lifelong aspects? Oh, I mean, it's everything. And Again, I'm very fortunate in the sense that I am naturally a glass half full person. Um, I I know that there are ways to change your natural state if you are a naturally glass half empty person. But I'm fortunate in the fact that I am naturally positive. But being positive, staying positive is everything to me because you can't be successful if you're not positive. Nobody wants to look up to a manager or a leader who is negative. Like it, it just, it just, it's not going to happen. You never see them, you know, maybe they somehow get to the top, but they don't last very long because people want to be inspired. They want to feel positive, positive energy. And they, you know, they're going to gravitate to that. And also it's all about the law of attraction. You know, you cannot have good things come into your life. If you are negative, if you are putting out negative energy, you have to put out positive energy and you have to just believe in yourself. You know, successful people, expect to do better they expect to do the to you know to succeed and that's definitely the case for me you know sometimes I'll, I'll achieve something and you know my boyfriend will say oh good job um you know did you expect that and I'm like of course I expected that I, I always expect to succeed I know I will and and that just 
that positivity just propels me forward. By the same token, though, I will say I my biggest challenge is insulating myself from negative people. So even though I am naturally positive, because I'm very sensitive and I'm very emotional, I am and I'm very empathic. I'm affected by the negativity of people around me. And that's why it's difficult for me in the corporate world because it's a very, very negative environment. Um, So that's why I practice the affirmations. I wake up in the morning. I make sure on my way to work, I'm listening to positive affirmations or positive podcasts. And I also do it as a reset on the way home so that I don't bring home any of that negative energy with me back into my own home. By the same token, in my office at work, my office at work is like a serenity zone. Even though I'm there doing these challenging deals, maybe I'm answering calls from irate people. I have my diffuser with, you know, essential oils. I've got things that make me happy. I play music and I make sure that I maintain my positivity. And as I say, wash it away as I walk home. Wow. I love that. So, so many tips and um, nuggets from that. So love how you talked about the aspects of positivity, right? And all of us, what I always like to say, and definitely got this from your comment is, you know, life isn't always easy, right? Like we may be going through very difficult things, but in every moment we have a choice how we show up. You know, if something that is challenging and is really challenging, challenging you in any area of your life, are you going to, you know, are we, are we going to take that out on whoever's around us that has nothing to do with it? Or are we going to assume or react to something? Or are we going to spread positivity, love and light, grace, mercy, ask the questions, right? Or maybe sometimes walk away. Then I also love how you talked about, and that's definitely something that I've got to practice and exercise all the time throughout years. And I'm sure you have too, massively. Then I love what you talked about. I didn't do this in the corporate environment. I wish I would have like the diffuser and the like serenity and like everything, because I think it would have had, not even I think, I know it would have had a totally different impact on just, you know, my vibe and just like how I was showing up, right, as a vessel. Then um, I love how you're very conscious of the boundaries and the awareness before you transition or like washing it away and being very aware of, okay, what environments am I in? What am I doing or walking into? Or what do I want next for the next month, the next year, all of that. So love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, obviously in an ideal world, you surround yourself with only positive, amazing, super inspiring people, but we don't live in a world where we can control every single aspect. You know, even if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have difficult clients, difficult people on the other side of your negotiation. So, you know, that's why I think it's really important to find like self-care ways, ways to you know, insulate yourself to a certain extent from those negative aspects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you you will need to control your environment if you have a negative person in your life, you know, a negative friend, something like that. I've had to do that. I've had to kind of release them at some point when their negativity gets too high, at too high mm-hmm. of a level. Mm-hmm. So insulate yourself to the best of your ability. Cleanse your life of negative people to the extent that you can. No, and to your point, several things on that too. It's It's also deciding, you know, whether it's on a family basis, a friend basis, a community basis, client, what are your non-negotiables? You know, and that's something I got to walk through because when I looked backwards, especially when I was 55 pounds heavier and working a hundred plus hours a week, you know, and I looked back, I'm like, wait a minute, did they force me to do this or did I allow this? 
And then, yeah. and then also looking at the environment I was surrounded by and also a lot of toxicity, both on a personal and professional level. It's like, wait a minute. I wasn't clear on what I wanted and what I would allow and would not allow. And now like I have those, you know, boundaries or that framework. And sometimes because I'm very mindful of grace and mercy and compassion and not assuming, you know, I'll ask questions. Like if something feels kind of funny, like for example, perfect example, yesterday, there was an influencer we were connecting with on a platform and you know, in every platform and you know this, like every platform so different, like how you communicate so different. And initially she accepted it, but then she sent over her rate without knowing anything about what we were talking about. So I said, well, maybe old me might've reacted and said, what, you know, what the hell, why are you sending this rate? You don't even know anything. Da, 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 da. Right. Like that would have been me. And that's like a PG version of what I would have done 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> Versus yeah. When exactly. I, especially when I was in oil and gas surrounded and you know, like from an attorney standpoint, all mass, yeah, etc. Yeah. And so it versus I said, wait a minute, Katrina, you don't know this platform from their side, you know, and I was telling that to the team, I like, et cetera. I was like, wait a minute, let me just send her this information and let me see what she says. And I mentioned, I said, you know, this may or may not be for you, no problem, et cetera. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have sent this information. Like, I didn't know, da, 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 da. like, I'm just, I'm new to this platform. I said, no problem. Like just, you know, FYI. So it ended very nicely. She's like, oh my God, I love what you're doing. I love what you guys are creating with community. I'm definitely interested. I was like, awesome, you know, follow these directions. And she's like, I didn't know. I said, yeah, you might want to not send your rates to a brand before they tell you what they want. Because it doesn't necessarily feel good to anyone when you haven't even talked about the service and you're sitting here already throwing money in the person's face. Like, you know, I was like, just think about it. Like, think about it if you're on the other side. So I was so proud of myself because exactly your point, like the growth and the getting better and not assuming. And it turned into a great situation. Yeah. No, and, and that's exact. That's really good advice. You know, um, I, as we spoke about before, I'm also advising now on how to grow your business as an influencer and things like that. And, you know, from a negotiation standpoint, I personally always make sure when someone reaches out to me, I ask them right away, what exactly are you looking for? What's your vision in terms of content, in terms of the caption, in terms of the type of visual? Are you looking for videos? Are you looking for, you know, um, just static photos like before? And then when they come back with their feedback, then I'll proceed to send a rate sheet or a media kit or whatever. So, I mean, it's the same thing if, if you were to contact a plumber, you know, they wouldn't immediately just send over their rate sheet. They would say, well, what do you need? Let, like, let me know if I can even provide you what it is you're asking for. Let's discuss it a little. And then you would proceed well, with yeah, the rate. I love that you use the example of the plumber because that's so relatable, right? So like a plumber, like they're not going to send you an invoice when they don't know what the hell you want fixed. Like, is it the kitchen sink? Exactly. Is it like the whole plumbing needs an overhaul? Is it the toilet? Like, what is it? So it's kind of the same thing. It's like people don't necessarily think, or I think sometimes technology is a beautiful thing. I am so grateful for technology. I mean, we wouldn't be here face-to-face if it wasn't for tech. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's created this, you know, and our the internet and so many things that people have gotten, especially in our culture. And you know this because you've traveled to over 67 countries that – It's this instant now, 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 which in one case is very good, is very efficient. But on the other side, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's impacted the instant versus the delayed gratification and more of the connection and relationship and creating community. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, and I think particularly in the legal world, um, I'm always mindful of where my client is from because I know that certain cultures want to do things face-to-face or they want to have a call versus it to be via email. So particularly like continental Europeans, if they're ever on a deal with me, I know that either they're going to want me to go there or they're going to want to come to New York. Yes. And we are going to meet in person. We are going to negotiate face-to-face. With a typical American client, you would never meet face-to-face. If one of you suggested it, they would think you were crazy. Everything is just done by marking up the document. I send it to you. You mark it up. You send it back. It's all like that. You do, You never meet each other. You have a couple phone calls. No, I love the disparity that you gave because – even similar, like I'll connect it to two things when, for example, um, in the audit space, in one role where I was a chief audit executive, I knew like I'm looking at stuff, finding what's right, finding what's in alignment, what's compliant. And then I'm also looking for things that are not efficient. So I know that's going to impact people in a way where they're going to be afraid for their job. So I knew from a psychological standpoint, if I go there for a visit first, it's going to smooth out the path. They're going to feel more comfortable. That's just basic human psychology. But a lot of that I know from traveling to over 25 countries and being raised in a multicultural family, you know, are seeing different things like just basic thinking about how would I feel if someone just send me an audit report of what's wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's putting yourself. Yeah. But in- I think, I think that's a skill though that not a lot of people have. So like, for example, I was on this deal, um, the, but all the lawyers were here in New York and the, I believe the seller, yeah, the seller was an American company and my client was the buyer. They were French. And I remember preparing the closing preparations and saying to the other American lawyer here on the other side of my deal, our clients are going to want to close this in person. So, you know, whose office are we going to deal, do it at? Let's start setting that up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why? And I was like, because they're French and they're going to want to. He's like, well, how do you know? I was like, because I I know know French people. I spend a lot of time in France (laughs) and I know what they're going to want. And he, he couldn't, he just couldn't understand. He's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like we can do it. We can do it electronically. And I said, my clients are the buyers. They're going to want to do it in person. So you don't have to believe me, but this is going to need to happen. And I think, you know, that skill that both you and I have that ability to think, cross-culturally and to understand that not everyone thinks and works in the way you do really, really helps both connect on a personal level with people, but it also is something that's really, really important in the business world. It's that human element that so many people forget. And that's one of the reasons why there are more and more studies showing that women actually make better managers because we think not only about the efficiency perspectives, but we also think about the human element because, you know, you catch more flies with sugar than with vinegar. Yes. And I love that. It's, so it's an element of leadership, right? Is what I've learned more. And part of my, you know, and one of my mentors is Danny Johnson. And one of the things she says, which I wholeheartedly live by, is relationship first, then business follows. Which is one of the yeah. reasons why like we offer and I offer podcast features. Because one, I get to meet with people and learn like incredible things and share stories, which is something I'm deeply passionate about, right? But then it also lets you know, like if you have a conversation first on one level and you create this like, for me, it's like a freedom base, right? And we talked about this some before. It's like, hey, you go explore, you do this, you do that. And if you want to talk about more, come talk about more, like zero pressure, Because for me, what I learned in the corporate space, like there was so much pressure 
so much now, Mm -hmm. now, now, so much exactly to your point, like the example that you shared that it was, well, why do they want to do this? Like, let's just do this. Like the lack of connection that I had to really get clear with myself and for Fit Life Creation, like, what do I want? And what do I want our community to stand by and our core values? And then what kind of person is that? You know, that's a person that has the ability, has, you know, is multi-passionate, has faith, is, you know, is humble, is connective, is listening, you know, believes in limitless possibilities and all these different things. And I had to realize, like, at first, it's like, oh, I want to save everyone or I want to help everyone with health, wealth and business. Right. Because everyone needs it. Right. Mm -hmm. Our fundraising or creating community. But then I had to realize, no, Katrina. Not everyone's going to resonate. And I'm sure you've walked through this. Like not every brand is going to resonate with light travels faster or with you Mm -hmm. or the way you want to do things. And that's perfect. And staying true to yourself. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And I think, you know, touching on that as an entrepreneur, that's one of the things that can be difficult when you're first starting out because, you know, you're really, you're really hitting the pavement and you just want to get business. You want to make those deals. You want to get those transactions. And so you may be inclined to say yes to everything. But it's really important from the very beginning to start drawing those lines in the sand and to think about things from a business perspective. And this is one of the things that I advise other influencers on fairly often. It's that, you know, this every transaction you are involved in, it's a business deal. So you need to be giving something and getting something in return. Now, Sometimes, you know, maybe that isn't monetary. Maybe it's just satisfaction. It's something that you're really interested in. You know, maybe it's um, the brand is just a nonprofit. They're doing something that, you know, you really believe in. And you're like, they're not paying me, but you know what? I feel really good about doing this and and I want to do it. But whatever it is, you need to make sure that you feel like you're getting something out of it, that you feel satisfied, that you don't feel like you're being used and that you're not being used. You need to make sure that you push back, you draw that line in the sand. And maybe it means that, yeah, you know, I could have accepted that deal and it would have been great because I really need some deals and I don't have a lot of money right now, but you would have been compromising your principles, compromising your brand. And from the very beginning, you need to start building the brand goodwill that's associated with you. And as an influencer, your brand is you. So everything you do, every interaction, you have to have that in mind. No, I love so many things that you said that because I was sharing that a couple of days ago too, that it's like every point of energy you put out there, every comment, is it positive? Does it reflect well of you? And then also to your point of looking at, you know, going through that, you know, drawing that line in the sand and saying, like you said, it's sometimes it's value. Like, for example, you're here, you're sharing your story. So obviously that's sharing your story that's valuable for you, creates evergreen Mm -hmm. content for your community to get to know Eileen better. Like the face behind like travels faster, right? You could easily send it off and say, hey, hear my story here. Like, is this what you're looking for? Like Mm -hmm. it creates so many avenues for you. Then for us, it's like, wait a minute, we, I got to interact with an amazing person. We get to showcase like someone that, you know, different types of people that we work with, an incredible story, Mm -hmm. more reach and exposure for the brand and vice versa that could lead to other things, but we don't know, but it's like planting that seed. But then in some avenues, you know, it leads from A, B, C, one, two, three, right. But it's also letting both parties see like, is this an alignment? Do we play nice in the sandbox or not? Right. And I've learned to your point, Mm -hmm. like sometimes years ago, I would react, react, react. And I've learned sometimes like I just respond with silence. 
I don't even acknowledge, like, I'm just like, okay, you obviously are not having a good day. I've obviously been there and you clearly didn't read ABC one, two, three. That's okay. I'm going to love you no matter what, but delete. I'm not going to respond because that means if I respond, I'm engaging, you know, and especially like, you know, this, if it's coming from a negative or a demanding or an entitled or a disrespectful tone, it's very different than if someone's asking questions and seeking for clarity. Mm-hmm. And the, you can tell yeah. when it's humble versus arrogant or prideful yeah. or fearful. Yeah. So No, that's exactly the case. And it's a very difficult skill to, to not react, to not fire back that email like, what the F, screw you, how dare you talk to me like that, whatever. I mean, you know, you guys can't see the visual, but I'm furiously making like a typing symbol <laughs> with, my, with my thumbs. Um, but it is a skill to learn to not react both in person, you know, when you're, for example, interacting with a customer service person or when you get that email. Because a, a lot of people, especially via email, they say and do things they wouldn't dare do in person. Case, and ever. sometimes I just, I just think it's atrocious. I'm like, I cannot believe you put that in writing. Now, as a lawyer, I'm very conscientious of that because when you're a junior lawyer, you do something called due diligence. So it could be on a litigation file or it could be on a deal where you are reading through old emails that a company has sent and the things that these people say in those emails, it just, I learned not to put things in writing from an early age. Yeah, but absolutely. also, you know, not even just from a legal standpoint, from a personal standpoint, you know, you shouldn't be putting those things out into the universe and you certainly shouldn't be creating a paper trail of that negative energy. So, no, I love that you said that. And I had to humble myself because I realized like years ago when I was climbing through corporate, there was a period of about a year and a half to two years that I was almost bipolar. Like on one side, I'd be really nice in person, but if I was frustrated, depleted, working a hundred hours, I would like, I wouldn't say anything that was illegal or whatever the case was, but I wouldn't say things in the nicest way. Like they were very direct, very to the point, not really acknowledging that person. And so over the last seven to 10 years, and one of my team members, she's actually known me since that time frame. So she's like, oh my God, you've changed so much. And she's like, I loved you then because when we met you in person, you were like this, but then your emails weren't always the nicest, right? And I got humbled by that massively. And I, that's why like every email I start now is like gratitude, gentleness, gratitude. And regardless of how the person responds, I'm like, I know I'm right in alignment with myself with the creator, with like my values, like so many things. And, and I, and that's another reason why I give grace for other people because I'm like, Ooh, I used to be like that. And I understand you're not happy, but that doesn't mean I have to interact with you. And that doesn't mean I have to waste my energy when I can tell like you're in a space of not receiving it. Now, sometimes if someone's kind of on the fence, I respond. And if they do, we go from there, but yeah, it's definitely. And like you said, it's a skill. Because old me yeah. would have definitely been like exactly what you said. I would have gone to battle. No, I have to say the last word. Da, 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 da. I have to prove myself right. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, I can choose to exert my energy like this, or I can let it go and create more space to create more positivity in the world. And, th- and that's really the choice. Yeah. Is it really no, worth that's the battle? Exactly the case. So on those lines, how has your well being and your health impacted you as a boss babe, Eileen? Um, well, really, I guess the major transition for me was 
getting to a point at which I was realizing in my legal career that my health was really taking a back seat. So um, as I mentioned, I've been a lawyer for eight years, going on nine years now. And for the first eight years, I was in big law, which means you're in a massive law firm working on these very, you know, multi-billion dollar deals working 80 to 100 hours a week. Um, and as of January, I am now in-house um, at a private equity company, still working a lot, but I'm working a little bit less. And there were sort of two reasons for that. Number one, I wanted to start focusing more on my social media business, my, you know, entrepreneurship. But number two was my health. So last year, I didn't have a single day off for nine months straight. That means Saturday, Sunday. That means every single day. Wow. Um, and I was starting to get migraines once a week. I would get a migraine where I would lose my vision in my left eye for four hours. I like would lie on the floor under my desk in the office. I was having nightmares every single night and wow. horrible ones, like nightmares that, you know, I was being chased by a giant Harry Potter sized spider, which sounds ridiculous, but it's frightening no, when yeah. you're living it. When you're living um, it, you're in the scene. Yeah. In another one, I had a dream that people were chasing me with knives, trying to kill me. And so at that point, I realized, okay, so your physical body is telling you and something changed. Then you're having your emotional, your mental, spiritual body also telling you that you feel trapped, that you feel like people are trying to kill you. You feel like you're being chased. Um, this really needs to change. So I paid off my student loans in May of last year. And in June, I quit that horrible job at the law firm. And I took the rest of the year off and I went traveling and I came back to New York after and found a more suitable job that would allow me to not have nightmares anymore. And I haven't had a nightmare ever since. And I also haven't had a migraine since. Wow. Thank you for sharing that and that vulnerability and authenticity, because whether it's law or any other career, I'm sure many of people have been in that state. Two of my closest friends are attorneys, and I know they can definitely relate. And wow. So for nine months, it got to the point so extreme that you didn't have a single day off. Not so, a single day off. Wow. I, like I said, and, and as you know, when, when we say we're working 80 to 100 hours, it doesn't actually mean that because we are talking about billable, billable hours. Billable. You're talking about billable. Exactly. Yeah. The billable hours. So, you know, I might work for three hours and only be able to bill one. Yep. So 80 to 100 hours. I mean, it was not really uncommon like for me to come home at five in the morning. Mm -hmm. My poor boyfriend was asleep on the couch trying to wait for me, you know, because he didn't want to go to sleep because he felt, he felt bad and he was trying to wait for me, but it was 5 a.m., would come home, sleep for a few hours and go back. And, you know, I, I don't mind working really hard. I probably work just as hard now between my dance company and my social media business and my other job, my private equity law job. Um, but the thing was just the toxicity of the people and the aggressiveness, um, just the unnecessary negativity. You know, it's, it's, we all need to be efficient and we need to get things done. But it was those elements, you know, the, the people elements that were, I think, pushing me over the edge. And, you know, I went to see a neurologist about my migraines and, you know, she did a bunch of tests and she was like, no, you're totally fine, perfectly healthy, but do you have a stressful job? <laughs> and I was like, well, yes, I'm a lawyer here on Wall Street. And she said, well, you know, you may want to rethink about it because it's affecting your health. Well, and to your point, like even on a spiritual and mental level, the dreams that you were having were extremely vivid. Like, so from every angle, like you were being pushed, no different than I talked about earlier, how I was pushed to overcome certain fears or situations. You were definitely being pushed, like to make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I felt um, 
it was tough because I knew that not everybody in my life would support that change. Um, so, you know, people who were very close to me, which was difficult because I, you know, you want to have them as your support, but you have to understand that, you know, not everyone, a lot of people are very risk averse and they don't, they only understand, you know, the very straight and narrow path. They don't understand, you know, entrepreneurship. They don't understand taking an alternative path, especially for lawyers. I mean, it's a very standard path that we take. So it was difficult because I, even to this day, haven't shared all of this with some people who are very close with me because I didn't want to have any additional negativity thrown at me. I didn't want to have any doubt thrown at me because I knew that even though they mean well and they love me, they they see the world differently than me. And I knew that I needed every amount of positivity and strength and resilience for myself. So I, you know, I was very careful with who I shared my dreams with and my life changes. And I will continue to do that, um, you know, as I, as I move forward. Wow, I love and resonate so much on that on a so many levels because there's wisdom in that and there's discernment in that that people don't realize. The conversation we're having not everyone can have with you or with me and like go in all these directions and talk about all these things or all these dreams, desires. And exactly with what you shared at certain points as I've grown or different circumstances or different things that I've overcome, I could not share with everyone or I couldn't share with my closest family, even though they mean well, or they're worried or they have fears at different points. I knew exactly what you're saying is that, okay, Maybe I was speaking to you once, twice, whatever a week, but right now I can't speak to you on that level of frequency because I know based on our recent conversations that you're going to bring this up and you're going to spiral out of your own fears or doubts or insecurities or a different paradigm and where I'm going and where I'm focused, I have to channel all that energy into the next shift. And it's kind of that same choice, right? I can love you and still love you, but right now I spend less time in your energy until I shift this so that we don't have those kinds of conversations anymore. Yeah, because no, that's impact, exactly right. They impact massively, and I highly resonate with what you're talking about as an empath. So speaking of which, how travels played a role in your life. You've gone adventure traveling. You've gone luxury traveling. You've gone, I think I saw kiteboarding. If, yes, kiteboarding in Brazil, surfing in Bali, Bali, scuba diving in Thailand, sailing in St. Lucia, the Eiffel Tower, the Taj Mahal, we talked about that earlier, Iguazu Falls, Machu Picchu, of course, New York City, you're in, you, know, you live in New York. So how has travel played a role in your life, in your business, in your mindset, all of it? Well, I think that travel is the number one thing that can impact your life um, in so many ways because you are so out of your element that you really need to, number one, adapt very quickly. You need to think quickly. You need to change, pivot, like we were talking about before, um, because you're just thrown into such different situations. And because you're so out of your comfort zone, you really begin to learn yourself. And I think that's the number one factor in being successful on a long-term basis, both in the business world, but also, you know, personally successful, happy, healthy, you know, well, so on and so forth, is knowing yourself, knowing, you know, what you need, what you like, what you enjoy, what your limits are, what your boundaries are. And because you're thrown into these completely different situations that are so out of your comfort zone, you, you learn quickly, very quickly. It's like a very fast journey into self-discovery. You know, and that's the same reason why who you travel with, you know, you will either be friends for life or never speak again. 
it's, it's one of those two things because you, it's a fast track on your friendship or your relationship yes. and you very quickly go through things that, you know, would take years to live with yes. each other in any other situation. Yes. I love that you said that three things on that. So one, like exactly what you highlighted, like the culture, the community, new situations, new ways of doing things, how a country operates, um, travel, like nothing else reminds us that we are never in control. Delayed flights, the hotel didn't book. I mean, whatever the case is, 10,000 scenarios, right? And then I love how you also talked about the uncomfortable situations. And I'm a big believer of not only being in uncomfortable situations, you know, when I travel, but also creating them on purpose to make them my normal. Like even in Atlanta recently, I did a collaboration. You guys can check it out with iFly, um, iFly World. I've gone skydiving before, but I learned. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've gone before in Houston. And I'm also an adrenaline and adventure junkie. Also done scuba diving, not in Thailand yet. Uh, definitely on the list in, in Australia. But I learned about it and I said, wait a minute, this is in Atlanta. I can go do this in the middle of the day and show people how I create what I love. And then this is another cool experience that's going to expand my mind, expand my comfort zone, you know, take my faith to a whole new level of overcoming things. So that was amazing. Then I did acro yoga for the first time, you know, last weekend here in with Koya Webb. And so literally it was the same thing. It was like the trust and the trust in yourself that you can handle it. And even on my first flight, like I did it, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like having that resilience and that belief and the, yes, this is new, but I'm comfortable with new. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think, you know, when you really travel extensively, um, it pushes you also to no longer sweat the small stuff. Like, as you mentioned, so I, to give you guys a bit of a background, like I've lived, I'm originally from Canada. And of course, now I live in New York. I've been here for oh, quite a few years now, five, six, seven years, I guess, five years. Um, but I've also lived in Guadalajara in Mexico. I've lived in London and I've lived in India. And then I've also traveled on top of that to 67 countries. And you really learn just not to get so stressed about things. Like sometimes I just can't believe the silly, petty little things people are so worked up about. You know, I've been stranded in all sorts of random places. I remember one time I was in, I was in Bali and we had taken, you know, we were students. We didn't have very much money. So we took the public bus all the way into this, um, mountainous area very far from the coastline and we were wearing like beach clothes we had gone so high up in altitude that it was actually very cold we saw the site we wanted to see and a torrential downpour started after that we had like nothing on to keep us warm the buses stopped running we were three hours away from the hotel you know a lot of people would probably freak out <laughs> you're cold it's wet you have no transport you have no money there's no buses running how are we going to get back it's getting dark we didn't speak the language but, you know, I was like, oh, it's fine. It'll work out. Yeah, it'll work itself it'll get out. Taken care of. So sure enough, a little, like a couple minutes later, we saw some stand that was still open selling sarongs. And, you know, so he, he gave us some for a cheap deal. So we wrapped these sarongs around us. And then I was like, well, I guess we can just hitchhike. Why not? Should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friend was like, oh, you're crazy. We can't do that. I'm like, do you have another solution? Yeah, we so we, um, we stuck our thumbs out. And sure enough, this motorcyclist pulled over. And he was like, where are you going? And we said, where? So he took both of us on the back of his motorcycle, yeah. all three of them. Yeah. And then you end up having like, when you, when you live your life, a lot of times from a, you know, from a place of faith, like we had a similar situation in Jamaica a couple years ago after going swimming with the dolphins. And I was like, it'll work itself out. And when you live your like life, like, like you said, you wouldn't have had this cool experience, 
being on the back of a motorcycle. And recently when I went to Barcelona, you just reminded me, the host was like, hey, like this and this and this, because I was looking for a souvenir shop like my last day. And I stayed with this Air, you know, Airbnb close to Barcelona in Casa de Fedes. And they're an amazing family. Oh my God, so amazing. Anyway, he was like, well, yeah, like you can go here and here, or I can just take you on my motorcycle. And I was like, you know what? Let's go on your motorcycle. Like, where else would I, if I wasn't open and wouldn't just like open up to the possibility and not think about, oh my God, this could happen, that could happen, da, da, da. No, like I'm going to be okay. It's going to be safe. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, I have had such incredible experiences by having that same mentality when I travel. I'm always positive. You know, I'm always open and, you know, very similar things have happened. Like we were one time in Peru, we were in Lima and it was um, the World Cup finals. So it was Argentina versus Germany a few years ago. We were at this like Bavarian beer garden watching the game and we started talking to the neighbors. You know, they were very friendly. I speak Spanish. um, So that also helped, but they also spoke English. Es posible que hablamos en español a veces. (laughs) Sí, podemos hacerlo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so for you guys listening, I just said, so sometimes we can speak in Spanish or we can record a podcast in Spanish, but go ahead. <laughs> and so they started sending us drinks. We started chatting. And afterwards they were like, well, you know, when did you arrive to Lima? And we're like, oh, it's our second day. They're like, oh, well, let us take you on a tour of the city and then we can go back to our place and have a party. And the person I was with was again, like, you're crazy. Like, I was like, what? They're perfectly nice people. And honestly, we would do the same. Like, here in New York, when we meet foreigners and tourists, we also take them under our wing. We're like, yeah. we're going where? You know, come with us. Come. What? Who doesn't want to meet some nice, interesting person from another country? So sure enough, they tra- they took us around the whole city on like a backstage tour, basically. Afterwards, we went to their gorgeous mansion overlooking the ocean and had a rooftop party. That you would never it. had if you weren't open to the possibility and just trusting and being okay with a new experience. Yeah. And I think, you know, I am fortunate in the sense that I've never had any, any bad experiences happen to me in these types of situations. But I think it's because, because I'm positive and open, I attract the right type of people that I may, I don't have, you know, creepy or dangerous people doing that. And I think, you know, I have enough street sense to recognize that. But instead, I'm just attracting Mm like-minded people. They're often people who also love to travel and they've experienced the same thing in other countries. And they're just happy to chat and and share their amazing city with you. No, I love that. And same here. I definitely resonate with that, that I trust myself and know when something is in alignment and trust what I'm putting out there. But I'm sure just like you've had situations where you know, like, oh, this doesn't feel right. I'm not doing this or I'm not going this you we have that inner guide or that compass with something or someone yeah no exactly and i have had close calls like for example i was in um nice on bastille day a few years ago when there was that terrorist attack someone drove a truck through a bunch of people and then got out and fired on everyone we were actually in nice in the morning of that same day and um one of the girls i was with she really wanted us to spend one other day there but I just had a feeling that we should leave. I was like, I don't know. I just, I just don't think we should stay. I can't tell you why, but I just think we should leave. And we argued for a little while, and eventually um, I won, and we left. And sure enough, that's what happened in the afternoon. So I am, wow. you know, like I say, I do listen to my intuition, and I try to make sure that I, that I follow it. No, I love that. And to your point, it reminds me of a situation when I was going to Egypt after graduating from um, grad school in business that it was like my gift from my parents, basically. And I was like, you know what? 
let's just do a week in Egypt. That's still amazing. I'm still grateful. And literally like the week or a couple weeks before we were going, there was a scare in Luxor and they ended up driving us all around with convoys for extra protection and nobody was going into Cairo at the time. So that was confirmation. Then last year I almost went to Peru. I'm not Peru, Puerto Rico. When the hurricane happened, and literally I had flights booked with Southwest and something told me cancel your flights. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I would have been there or like flying in or like right either, like basically right before and or right after the hurricane hit. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you get those intuitions, it's really important to listen to them. You know, whether you think they're from the universe or from God or from yeah. something else, from your own self, your own heart, it's important to listen to wow. them. Wow. No, absolutely. So where are you and your brand currently, Eileen? Where is Light Travels Faster currently? So right now, um, I work with a lot of brands on a weekly basis, mostly in the um, travel, lifestyle, beauty, and fashion spheres. I always say it's probably 50% travel, and the rest is the other mixture of the other three. Um, And we're really developed on Instagram and my blog, and my my goals right now are to move more into the podcasting and YouTube spheres. I love speaking. I love being on video. It's just a matter of finding the time. And as I said before, breaking it down into those little step by steps to move that to move into that direction. But um, yeah, I mean, I've worked with over fifty different hotels and travel companies all around the world. Everything from glass igloos in Finland to overwater bungalows in Belize. I've worked with Hilton Curio and Antara. They're both luxury high-end chains. Um, and now I'll be leading some press trips this year, mostly domestically, and also attending quite a few of them. And on the brand side, I've worked with brands like Coca-Cola, Gillette, Herbal Essences, M&M's. Um, you know, I regularly attend fashion weeks around the world. So New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week. This year, I'll also be going to Milan and London Fashion Week. Love it. And it's, you know, it's really just exploded. It's, it's a ton of fun. I love marketing. I love working with brands. Um, you know, I did a business degree before law school, and I always found marketing to be the most fascinating so plus it's you know it's it's a way to infuse my artistry into my business side so for me it's really fantastic no it's amazing and just so many different experiences and it goes back to the same foundation that we talked about early on right with your childhood and being multi-passionate and freeing yourself to be that to do that to have that and um side note when I send you the recap definitely feel free to explore we're also putting together an influencer study that we would love to have you to be a part of, as well as the influencer book that's going to be published later this year. So if that interests you, I'll send you the link. Um, Just because like your input and like the fact that you're doing all these different things and you're not just a food, you know, influencer, you're not just this. You're like, no, I have it all. I do it all, period, right? Yeah, and that's something that's really important to me that we touched on last time. It's that, you know, I... A lot of people think like, oh, if you're going to do influencing, you should really only do one thing. You should just be a food blogger or you should just be a beauty blogger. But for me, social media, it was created as an escape from law um, and also as a way to infuse my creativity and my artistry. To share. But also, more importantly, as, an, as a space to truly be me. And I am multifaceted. I like beauty products. I also like to travel and I also like to go to yoga. This morning I had a yoga event with a brand. Yeah. I also like fashion. Like I am not just one thing. Yeah. So 
you get to see all of me and you get to see all the things that I like and all the things that I enjoy. No, I love that. And I definitely think like that's going to be a whole nother like wave and niche for influencing, for marketing, et cetera. People that are living fully and on purpose and expressing like a whole bunch of different things as the rise of like the lifestyle influencer, the lifestyle blogger, that it's no, it's not just one thing. And you don't have to have five different pages on Instagram. You can share it all in one. But if you want yeah. to have five, do five. But like I prefer and you definitely prefer to have it on one. Yeah, I think like we're really seeing a transition now from um, the very specific pages that you've mentioned, you know, where you have five, you have your, your lifestyle page, your fashion page, your beauty page, to the more of the public figure in the yep. sense that you're just you. You're living wholly and authentically and you're posting about everything and you post a video and then you post some photos and then you talk about A and then you talk about B. Because I think, you know, people want to see you as a person. They want to get to know you. And the biggest criteria for that is being authentic. And nobody is only one thing. You are never just a person who's about beauty products. You are more than that. No, you have so much value behind you as a human being and a human becoming, like one of my mentors says. So um, also on that note, and we, we chatted some on this, definitely feel free to explore like our Atlanta opportunities, our Brazil opportunities, because there could be some ways to feature you if you end up wanting to do something more on a consulting basis on a, you know, to help others, whether it's with courses or anything else, like feel free to explore that. Cause we have that coming up. Yeah. I would love to towards the end of next year. Um, so after this, I'll send you like the influencer link, the, those two links, and then later like the recap of this podcast. So no, that's amazing. So on those lines, like as you've uncovered these layers of yourself and this multi-passionate aspect, how do you feel like you freed yourself to be authentically Eileen and how you will continue to do so? Um, well, I think, you know, really was sort of the transition that I went through last year. Um, because growing up, I was always an artist. I was always about creating. And, you know, then I went to law school and I, and I, I enjoyed being a lawyer. I still enjoy being a lawyer. I enjoy the study of it. I, so, you know, I am very intellectual from that, from that perspective. But I really found that I was, it was consuming my whole life and I was missing my artistry. You know, which is one of the reasons why I helped found the dance company here. You know, I danced professionally in New York or in Toronto for six years before I moved to New York. But when I moved to New York, I was so busy at the new law firms that I never found that avenue. And when I went to look for it, there wasn't a similar company to the one I danced with in Toronto. So I talked with the lady who ran it and I said, hey, let's found it here. I'll run it on the ground, you know, and we can replicate the same idea. And so, you know, building the, you know, the influencing business and the dance company, those were just ways really to free myself to, you know, to say, okay, I'm still a lawyer and I'm still going to use those skills that I worked really hard for. But now I'm going to make a space for the things that really, really fulfill me and really make me me. And it's just, honestly, it is so freeing because I can truly be me when I'm working on my social media platform. As a lawyer, I have to, you know, just be focused on law. They don't want you to have any outside life, especially women. You know, they really want you to only be focused on that and not have any other interests. And they get very worried if you have other interests. But I think it you know, goes by the back thing- to that worry. Some people can't handle it all. And because they can't handle it all, they think you can't or that I can't. So I exactly. Said exactly. They, they definitely put their their views on you, as you said, um, you know, and by the same token, you know, in the, in the dance world, I have to hide, you know, the business entrepreneurial side. But when I'm in my social media, 
I get to just be me. One day I'll talk, you know, I'll have an inspiration and want to talk about a motivational tip and I'll just do a quick video on that. And the next day I'll find an awesome beauty product and I'll talk about that. Or this weekend I'm doing a trip to upstate New York. I'm collaborating with a hotel up there. So I'll be talking all about getting up there this weekend. Because um, there's a super awesome museum that I know about. Are you going close to Corning? I don't know, to be honest. Uh, we're taking the train, so okay. we won't have a car. If you but, are, uh, if you are going close to Corning, you may want to Google the Corning Museum of Glass. Oh, that sounds amazing! It's amazing with glass blowing. I could definitely connect you with Kim, their PR person. Oh, I wonder if it is near there because I did see something on the website that I was looking at with some glass on it. I'll send yeah, you we the should. link, and if it's that, like, tell me, and I'm happy to make an introduction to Kim for you. Like, yeah, I would love that. Glassblowing is amazing. It's it's amazing. I went last year for a travel bloggers exchange conference and we hosted like for influencers to connect with influencers. And we also got to do a hands-on workshop with glassblowing and I made wow. two glass pieces. So yeah, I'll send That's that to so you too. Cool. Kim's amazing. So yeah, I'll definitely send you the link. And like I said, if it's her or if it's them, tell me and I'll introduce you to Kim. So yeah. Um, that would be awesome. But to finalize, I guess, on, on your question, I think the number one thing about freeing yourself is, first of all, knowing yourself, knowing what makes you happy, and really like doing that hard self-reflection and realizing like what I'm doing right now is not fulfilling me. It's not making me live my life to the fullest. So, okay, I figured that out. Now, how am I going to get there? So, I, you know, I determined that I'm not totally fulfilled. Step two is let's see how I can get there. And then taking the plunge you know, to, to find that passion. And, you know, maybe it means you have to hide it from some people if you're worried or if you know that they may not support you. But you have to have that confidence in yourself to truly free yourself because only once you do that will you be happy. You know, will you no longer have nightmares and terrible migraines? <laughs> and so chasing you with knives, literally. No, I love that. So many things. And to your point, like the avenue, I love how you approach social, the avenue of sharing the avenue of like, it's your tribe, it's your people, you're having friends and you're simply expressing yourself, whatever that is in the moment. And then reflecting on, Hey, this is working. This isn't, I want to continue to do this. I want to change this, etc. And that freedom. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we all have to do things in our life that we don't, that are not necessarily that fun. You know, work is called work for a reason. Otherwise it would just be called fun, but it's, you know, you don't need to have your whole life devoted to that one and one or two thing that makes you unhappy. You need to find ways to incorporate the happiness into your life and, and success will follow, you know, success and money will follow the happiness because when you're positive, when you're fulfilled, when you're sending out all that amazing energy, things are going to come to you. And it happens all the time. I get into a day where I'm feeling like, oh, you know, <laughs> I haven't got any deals this week. I don't know. And then sure enough, the next thing comes in because I'm almost always positive, sending out that positive energy and just knowing that it's going to come. It's going to come. I just have to keep my chin up, stay positive, and it's going to come. And it does. So love that. So along those lines, where do you think the future will continue to take you? So I've always said that I never, apart from, you know, the law career, but I I knew I wouldn't stay in big law long-term ever. I always knew that I would go somewhere else. So I never had a particular job or career in mind. I always had aspects and qualities of my life that I wanted. Um, I, I wanted to be mobile, to be able to work remotely, to be able to travel whenever I wanted, 
you know, for as long or as short as I wanted. I wanted to be free. I wanted to have artistry, creation incorporated into it. I wanted to have, um, you know, sort of a performance aspect because I do love, you know, being in the limelight, performing, um, you know, sharing those things with the world. And also, uh, you know, something that's communicative. So I always had those sort of aspects in mind, you know, mobility, creativity, you know, performing and also communicative. And I, you know, I, I will continue to move forward with those aspects in mind. Um, you know, I'm certainly going to continue to grow my social media business, you know, moving into, as I said, YouTube and podcasting more, but I have a feeling that something else will happen. You know, maybe I'll end up being a motivational speaker or maybe I'll be on a TV program, or maybe I will write a book about, you know, all the things I learned from working in Manhattan. I don't know, but I know that the inspiration will come to me at the right time because that's just kind of how my life works. You know, that's how I fell into social media. I was at a networking event um, for law and I met somebody and his wife was a blogger. This was two years ago. And I was like, what do you mean you're a blogger? I don't know about this blogging. Tell me more. So she told me all about it. Um, you know, and I was like, that's so interesting. I really love to learn more from you. And she was like, you know, I'm going to um, a networking event in a couple of days. You're welcome to come with me and you can meet some people and you can ask questions. And so that's exactly what I did. I went with her. I met all these other influencers. I was like, wow, I can totally do this. And I went from there. But had I not met her, honestly, I was, I was like living under a rock. I didn't even really know about this industry. And I know that the same type of thing will happen to wherever I go next. No, I love that. And also like the note I made on this, I loved when we connected the first time that you were telling me that you had been thinking about creating courses or you'd been thinking about like different things. And then exactly. when I started talking about that with us and collaborating, that it was like the, uh, even from, I mean, so many things, the multi-passion aspect, but even that, that you had literally had that thought the day before. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, just the day before, and it hadn't even occurred to me before then, but that, that day before I was talking with my brother and I was giving him some advice on, on career stuff. And he was like, Oh, you know, you're just such a wealth of knowledge. Like you should create a course on this. And then I was like, huh. And then when you mentioned it, I was like, you know, that's, that's the universe just sending it all to me at the, at the time. Literally. And because I'm open, because I'm open, you know, when I think about it, I suss it out, I investigate And then I moved from there. What I literally had a vision of as you were talking, you know, Eileen, whether you end up doing this with us, with me, however you choose to do it, because I believe in freedom. I literally had a vision of you, like perhaps again, whether it's your own event with us, we help you, whatever. At the same event, you do a talk and a violin performance and a dance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you never know. Because like, I could totally see you doing that. Because again, like you have those passions and that purpose and that skill set. And you know, who says you have to only be a speaker or only a violinist or only a dancer, like you can create whatever you want, you know? So exactly. So with that being said, uh, as we wrap up, what are your final words of wisdom to multi-passionate boss babes freeing themselves or wanting to? Um, well, I think I would say number one is, is what I was already touching on, you know, really knowing yourself, doing that inward self journey, whether it's through, 
um, you know, using a journal to diarize things, diarize how you're feeling, or maybe you, you know, see a counselor and you guys talk about it there, or you talk with a friend or, or, or even by yourself, just getting to know who you are, what you like and, and taking a step back. You know, there's a lot of talk about mindfulness these days, meditation, and I'm a big proponent of that, of taking those moments out of the day to check in with yourself and seeing, you know, am I happy? Does X make me happy? Does Y make me happy? Okay, no, well, then I have to maybe rethink things. And sometimes it's hard because it's hard to admit that maybe you're not happy or that maybe something isn't working. But the fantastic thing about that is that after you admit that, you can move on to step B. And step B is finding what is going to make you happy. And that is the best feeling in the whole world. Once you finally have recognized, you know what? Okay, it's not working. I'm not happy in that. And I'm moving on to this. And you suddenly just feel like shackles have been released off of you. And I say this, and, and I'm not even, not even exaggerating. Once I started, when I came back to New York after traveling at the end of last year, and I got the new job um, you know, as an in-house lawyer, it was literally like someone had taken foggy lenses off my eyes as I was walking and I'm not joking like as I was walking around New York in the neighborhood I've lived in for five years I was seeing things that I had never seen before and they weren't new like I just I had never seen them it was like I had new eyes and I remember like driving you know from the airport and looking at the city and thinking oh my gosh this city is so beautiful it was like I was seeing it for the first time and for me that was really indicative of finally being free, like free of these lenses that were clouding my vision and and making me not even see the beauty around me because I was so stressed. I was so wrapped up in the lifestyle that I I literally couldn't see. And you don't want to get to that point. So knowing yourself, not being afraid to take that step because as scary as it is, the reward is so massive, finally living your passion and being free that it is worth any risk. I love that. So perfectly said. And the layers that come off of us. And like you said, the shackles and the mm-hmm. literally the glasses being clean, the vision being clearer and clearer and clearer. I definitely resonate with that. So where can they find you? So you can find me um, at lighttravelsfaster.com. That is my travel and lifestyle blog. And I'm very big on Instagram as well. It's light travels faster, light like sunlight. Um, in travels, you know, I always say it's like the principle that light travels faster than sound photos capture light. And I also travel. So that's how I got the name. And, uh, yeah, so definitely check me out on Instagram. I do a lot of live videos as well about these types of topics and you can check my blog out as well. And all the other social media handles are on there as well. I love it. Love, love, love connecting with you again. And I also thought of it as light travels faster as you're such a light. And then you're traveling. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. That's so sweet of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, it was such a pleasure to connect. Like, I, I, I really cannot say this enough to everyone. You know, take time to network. Take time to meet new and amazing people. Don't just stay in your hashtag no new friends zone. <laughs> meet new people. Interact. Because you never know where those connections are going to go. Maybe it'll lead to something or maybe you just had a really nice conversation with someone. But either way, it's a win-win. So, yes. you know, don't close yourself off meet interesting people. Yes. And great humans because it then helps, it gives you hope again for humanity shifting and rising up. Thank you for tuning in with me on It's a Fit Life Creation Podcast. If you haven't already, head on over to our fitlifecreation.com website, follow us on all our social channels and explore our freebies library. 
you'll find freebies on health, freebies on wealth, freebies on biz, and all in one. Explore at our experiences, events, Influencers, we help the community and influencers get healthy, make money, and build brands. To create a life and a business you love.